Hey, I'm Dan Whedon. Welcome to Unleashed the Podcast. This episode is a newly released former patron member only show. I'm now releasing them all. My guest is Del Bull. Now, aside from the fact that Dell is a former childhood friend and schoolmate, he is more importantly a retired rear admiral in the Navy and he once commanded the legendary Blue Angels. Dell's first appearance on the podcast was focused on leadership. It was so immensely popular that I did a two part spin off on the patron membership, <laughs> but alas, no one but me has heard it. So that's changing. I'm now releasing both parts, and this is the first one. Unleashed the Podcast is brought to you by my sponsor, Emerging Risk Solutions. Thanks to them for their support of the show. Now, let's get unleashed. My good friend, my my old high school classmate, Del Bull, is back in the house. We had such a great conversation on leadership that I asked Dell and he graciously said, I'm, I'll come back. And we've got a couple topics that we're going to talk about today that I think are really important. Uh, before I introduce Dell to come on, I do want to remind you that Dell, uh, former Rear Admiral, I'm not going to read his whole bio, former Rear Admiral in the Navy, that's kind of a big deal. That That's a, a former, uh, former head of the Blue Angels. He commanded the Blue Angels. He has a great bio and I'm going to have it attached to here so you can read all of it. But most importantly, the thing that he leaves off his resume, which is, is somewhat distressing to me, is that he went to high school with me. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to work on that a little bit. I think that somehow next to being a defense fellow for Senator John McCain, uh, having gone to school with me should uh, rank in there somewhere. But Dell, can I talk you into that at all? Yeah, Dan, it's great to be back. Absolutely. I, I, I think that was such a big deal that the font was so big that we went to high school together that it must have slipped off the page. It slipped right off the page. Have have one of your minions find that. We're talking about leaders. Have have somebody who's in charge of that figure that out. Hey, listen, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about your past. I want to talk about what you're doing right now. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we got started, and I think it's funny because we have friends who are talking about retirement. I think you and I, we're just getting started. Uh, there's, there's a lot of fun things that we're doing. You... Uh, post-naval career, our vice president of the Americas for CAVU. And, and we didn't touch a lot on this in the regular uh, podcast. Before we get started, talk a little bit about CAVU, what it means and what, what you guys are doing. Thanks, Dan. Like I said, it's great to be back. Um, CAVU, uh, really a, um, a, a great company for me to be blessed enough in that we're still just like we did in the military um, and in we, we served we serve we serve people we serve our country and and we worked really hard to protect those that couldn't protect themselves um Cavu is made up of about 70 folks most uh, about 95 percent of us are all veterans um we we got our start in oil and gas uh oil and gas um going out onto rigs and with our coaches that range anywhere from um, um, rear admirals uh, to the very most senior folks uh, in 
in the enlisted ranks of the Navy Master Chiefs, <clears throat> they're really a backbone, just like the Navy's the, the backbone, uh, our backbone in the Navy is the Chiefs. It's, it's very similar in our company. So we go. My out, dad was a chief. I just have to tell you that. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll throw a thumbs up for for my dad, who was a former chief. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, they're the best. They, um, my dad always said too, listen to the chiefs. They'll raise you right, and uh, um, they they put me where I am today. Uh, so love the chiefs. Uh, anyway, Dan, the the company goes out and we teach procedural compliance leadership. Um, strategic communication, and ensuring that that we put the same tools that that made us so successful in high performance teams like the Blue Angels, like Navy SEALs, which we have a few of those guys on our team as well. Um, aircraft carrier commanding officers, nuclear engineers. Most of us are all fighter pilots. Um, so it's it's a a it really it's a um, an amazing opportunity for us to take those tools and apply them to other high performance teams like in the oil and gas industry to keep those young men and women safe uh pull energy out of the ground for for our nation and 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 allow them to go back home to their um wives and children and husbands and so on uh with all their fingers and toes together right. and it's uh it's really it's really a a fun thing we've expanded to taking our leadership techniques to law enforcement for example um, we've expanded to ports. So we, uh, we port Houston, uh, Corpus Christi, Galveston, some ports on the East coast, our coaches go in and, and we, we use those same principles of leadership to be able to, uh, take their team to the next level, um, increasing retention and, and increasing morale, which at the end of the day, if you can do things like that, you're going to increase your revenue. Right. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a great, it's a great team to be a part of, uh, we talked about the uh, the name Cavu. Our CEO has been a friend of mine uh, since we got into the Navy. We flew F-14s together. Um, he lived up in Kennebunkport, Maine, or his family was from there. Lived very close to former uh, President Bush. And uh, when President Bush, at the time, we were... Um, hey, Dell, <laughs> just to be clear, uh, President George H.W. Bush, correct? Correct. Yeah, okay. Correct. Yep. So we were naming an aircraft carrier after at the time. And so, um, and, and as you may know, uh, a Naval aviator himself uh, shot down in World War II, just an amazing man, amazing officer, and uh, just, just a great American. Lived up the street from, um, from our CEO's family. Well, as the garbage man would come to uh, Dave's house, um, his dad would go out with a cup of coffee and have a cup of coffee with a garbage man and, and they'd, they'd chat and the next house would be president Bush. Well, he would come out and do the same thing. Well, the garbage man says to president Bush, sounds like a joke. Um, it's, it's not, um, says, do you know that the Burnham family down the, their, their kid is going, he's in nuclear training to be a commanding officer of an aircraft carrier. And president Bush said, had no idea. Well, Dave at the time is in nuclear training and comes a knock on the door of his classroom. And they said, could Commander Burnham come to the, uh, come to the office? Dave thinks naturally he's in trouble for something. And uh, <clears throat> they say, hey, we're going to need to send you back home because President Bush would like to talk with you. So they flew him right back home and, and he went and talked to President Bush, spent two hours with him in President Bush's home. 
and they talked aviation. They talked, they talked leadership. They talked, um, uh, they talked about aircraft carriers. It was just a wonderful uh, conversation. So at the time, uh, Dave looked on the wall and saw this rock with the letters CAVU carved in it. He didn't know if that's exactly uh, what President Bush uh, um, used those three or those four letters as. So he asked him, he said, sir, what does that, what does that mean to you on the wall? President Bush looked at Dave and said, well, you should know this. It, it's ceiling and visibility unlimited is what that stands for. And that's exactly what Dave thought. Uh, but what President Bush went into, he said, you know, I've always loved to, to look out and say, this is a great day to go flying. In fact, it's a perfect day to go flying when there's, when there's no ceiling and the visibility is unlimited. And so that's what we do in our company is we, we work so hard to ensure that your team has that perfect day. Hence, that's why we call our company Kevin. So we developed the perfect day. I, I, you know what? I love that story. That's, that's ceiling and visibility unlimited. In fact, uh, you know, as, as I think about, it's a great name for your company. It's, it's a great, it's a great goal for every day for businesses. I, as you know, I work with small and medium sized businesses and, uh, leadership is so incredibly important there. And, and, and what I tell them is it, it may be more important than in Fortune 500 companies because you're dealing more one-on-one with your teams. So if you have 50 employees, everybody knows everybody else. Uh, you, right. you, you don't have to go up uh, seven, seven stories to go find the CEO. You, you're right, right there. Everybody is, is working together. Um, so thank you for sharing that incredible story. I, I, I love that. And, and you and I will have to get together over a, a beer or a wine or a something, something and, and, and talk some more about that. Yeah, that'd be fun. One of the areas, I want to touch on this first. One of the areas that we talked a little bit about, but I want to expand on in our time here is key to effective feedback. Dell, it seems to me in my experience in working with people that often feedback, both good and and looking for improvement, so both good and bad, the feedback generally send, tends to be a little bit terse. It's, it's like you did this wrong. You don't always get you did this right, but you did this wrong, uh, fix it. And the feedback never really talks about why. And I think that there's some really key effective communication skills that I know that you teach at CAVU. Can you spend some time with us talking about the keys to effective feedback? Absolutely, Dan. And you're, you're spot on. You know, the positive and negative of what feedback is, um, they go hand in hand. But you don't get much from going to your boss and getting the giving or receiving the feedback and having your boss say to you, you're amazing. You have, you have there's no place that you can improve. Uh, off you go. So that makes you feel good, yeah. but it doesn't make you any better, right? So, so when I was younger, I, I would always ask, and, and <clears throat> before I got out of the Navy as an admiral, I would always ask my boss, okay, thank you, but what can I do to improve? I mean, even if it's a little thing, find something that I can focus on and work on to make myself better, which is going to make my team better, uh, ultimately. So feedback is so absolutely... Uh, critical. We call it in Kevo feedback's the breakfast of champions. You, you just, you have to have it. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you a technique uh, that I have always loved to get feedback. 
um, and it's we call it cultural surveys. So some people don't like culture surveys, um, and I look at those types of leaders that don't like um, don't like to hear the feedback from their team. Why do you think that is? They don't like to hear the feedback because they already know that there's so much room for improvement. They don't want to hear any bad news. So I I love to have cultural surveys because it always gave me something to improve upon. It always told me something that I maybe I thought I know knew, but I didn't. Um, so you, you throw these surveys out, and and I think it's important as you design them that they're they're as short as possible, they're concise, and they're focused on um, on the team. And then there's some questions in there that need to be focused on some of the the uh, topics that you might have a sense that you need to work on, and have them verify that and help give you ideas on how to fix. Um, that that topic or or that maybe a, a possible chink in your armor of leadership. So once you get the feedback um, from that survey and you analyze it, I would always put a team together, um, and uh, of usually chiefs, Dan, frankly, <laughs> and say, uh, okay, how do we how do we fix these things? You know, probably eight out of ten of the things could be fixed in a week. Things that we went, oh, you mean the parking situation is ticking off the people? I we can fix that by doing this. And, and most of the things that that frustrate a team um, don't require any money to fix. It's process, procedure, policy, um, and 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 maybe uh, communication, always, to to fix that those eighty percent of any problem that your team has. Now what? So you fix eighty percent. Maybe that twenty percent or fifteen percent. Maybe there's some resources or somebody outside your team has to change their behavior to affect a positive income or, or, or a positive outcome in your team. That's okay. That's something to work on. Um, my question to my team was, my I call it the cultural team, um, then what? And the first time I did this, they looked at me and said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what are we going to do tomorrow? We fix the problems or we um, are working on fixing that 20% of the problems. And then what do we do tomorrow? Are we gonna wait for another year until the next cultural survey comes out before we dive in and fix problems of our team? So they said, well, no, that's not a really good idea. No, it's not. So here's what we're gonna do. What I'd like you to do, and let's say there's five people on your team, your team, depending on uh, your cultural team, depending on the size of your overall team, that that obviously would vary. And I'd say, just take five minutes a week and grab somebody from our team, pull them aside and ask them, how you doing? How's your family? How's the job? What can we do to better serve you? What can we do to improve? What can we do to make your life better when you jump in your car to drive home every day that you have a bit of a smile on your face. What what are you frustrated about when you drive home at night that you might bring to your family that causes frustration at home because really there's something going on back at work. So I asked him to do that, Dan, all year, 365 days a year, just five minutes a week, grab one person from the team and sit them down and ask them, what can we do to make your life better? What can we do to improve? So I, I think <clears throat> I'm doing that with one of the largest ports in the world right now um, in Texas. And 
they've got a cultural survey team of five people and that's exactly what they're doing. And they absolutely love it. It's a bit foreign initially because they've never seen this before. So they go, well, why are you asking me that? What is going on with leadership that they actually care what I think all year long? So it's a, it's a great tool. I, I highly recommend it for any team at any size. There, um, there's got to be a little bit of training for those people asking uh, the questions, though, I would think, because that's a little bit, you know, I, I love I love the concept. You want you don't want it to be a checklist type thing where you say, OK, Dell, uh, how's the family? How are you? Do, you know, you, th- there's got to be a little bit of of training involved, I would think. Well, you know, a little bit that goes into it's a good point, Dan. Um but that goes into who do you pick to be on that cultural survey team? You have to pick somebody that's going to get somebody to talk. And, and the way you get somebody to talk and really give, really be honest and open is, is to have people on the team that, that, that the small team, the cultural team, that the rest of the team trusts, right? They've got to trust the team that they're going to handle that information um, appropriately and not go run into the boss to say, hey, Dan's all ticked off about so-and-so in this department. And then that gets out and, and clearly can cause right. uh, friction within the team. So those people have to be very, very trustworthy people to the whole, uh, to the whole organization. Um, as far as is, you're right, you don't want it to be a checklist. But <clears throat> I find it's, it's, it's easy to sit and just, if you just get people to talk, it depends right. on... It depends on the individual. How easy do they talk? What's their personality? That goes back to the cultural team. Um, there's no there's no recipe um, for getting somebody to talk and 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 um, help you solve the problems of the team. Um, it, it's 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 the responsibility of the cultural survey team to to just simply say, in my mind, how are you doing? How can we improve? And then you need to sit back and listen. The most the most critical element, I believe, of communication is listening. Yeah. Let me ask you this then, because I, I, I think this is really important and, and we'll transition. This is, we could probably spend the whole hour talking about this. I have one other we want to talk, but I think this is a really important piece. Once this process starts, Dell, and, and let's just assume there's consistency every week, one person, five minutes you're probably gonna run across some people who may be having, having challenges. And let's just say they're, they're personal. I always tell people, uh, you, you don't have a business life or a professional life and a personal life, you have a life. Everything uh, dives in together. You have somebody who may have uh, a sick child or, or a sick parent or dealing with you know those things in life that happen that uh, are outside the control of the company right? It's not the parking spot. It's, Hey, my, 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 I'm putting my, my, my dad or my mom into uh, assisted living or something like that. Right. right. What's the response? What, what, what are some of the things where you're asking all of a sudden it's like, I, I can't fix this. I want to be of help. What are some ways to help your leadership team? Those people that are asking the questions to be able to respond empathetically and helpfully to the employees. Yeah. So, yeah. So sometimes you got to be careful, right? There's, there's things that, um, 
depending on what your team, um, what their job is, um, it, and and are they government, non-government? You know, there's there's legal ramifications to right, right. Um, maybe a company jumping in to handle those things. So so that needs to be in consideration, taken into consideration. But I, I would also say, Dan, that um, one of the most important things is if you if you have uh, okay, I've got to put mom and dad into assisted living. And oh, by the way, I, I don't know where I'm going to get the money perhaps to do that. Just listening to that person and caring is, yep. is, goes, goes, you know, it's worth, it's worth a mint. So, so now once you listen and go, that sucks, what yeah. can I do to help? Maybe it's just the listening, but you know, I'll go back to the chiefs. Here's what the chiefs would do. Okay. You need help. You're putting mom and dad into assisted living. You don't have don't have money. We're going to do a fundraiser for you. The chiefs would do a fundraiser. They would they would go to get some financial counseling um, with the with the U.S. Navy. They would they would come up with so many unbelievable, uh, wonderful solutions to break down that barrier, whatever the barrier is with that individual. Uh, and they may not knock it out of the park. But what did you just do to that person? Yep. And if yeah. you don't get them talking, you don't hear that personal problem, you don't you don't have any opportunity to even say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. And what yeah. can we do to help? Yep, absolutely. Thank you for that. I really, really valuable. I want to transition to our second topic and and spend the rest of the time talking about this, because I think uh, we didn't even really touch on this as much as I would have liked to. And it's 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 something that I, I saw out of the CAVU <clears throat> leadership program, the Leadership Pro. It talked about visible leadership, servant leadership, and building trust. And I'm going to allow you to take it from there uh, on those on those three concepts: visible leadership, servant leadership, building trust. Because I believe they all they all kind of uh, morph together. Yeah, they're you're exactly right, Dan. They're they're all connected, and you you can't be successful at one of those things um, without without paying attention to the rest. Um, one of the, my, one of my colleagues here in Kavu um, said to me, "Man, you every time you talk, every time you teach, every time you advise, you always feed in the trust. You keep talking about trust." Um, and Terry Terry's test pilot. He's one of the owners of the company, and so he thinks very in a serial manner on how to solve problems as a test pilot would. And so he and he's very cerebral. So when he comes up and he goes, Dell, you're always talking about trust. I go, thanks, Terry. Then, then it's working. What's working? Because trust is the foundation to leadership. If you don't have a rock solid foundation of trust, you will never achieve the level that your team has the potential to achieve. So trust underpins everything that we talk about um, on leadership. That is the end of part one of this special two-part series with my friend Del Bull. Stay tuned next week when part two comes out and you'll hear the exciting conclusion. For now, be happy, be well, be healthy, and above all, be unleashed. Be unleashed.